Hey everyone and welcome to a special NBA Finals preview edition of the podcast It Should Go Without Saying. I'm your host Andrew Lewis and I am on this podcast besides our resident NBA experts Adam, Amy and Dan Shea. First well, to you Adam. Wow, um, it's July, the, the playoffs are here, the finals are here. Everything feels like it's going back to normal. Yeah. Um, except for the fact that the Lakers aren't, um, <laughs> aren't, aren't there. So Adam sat down to his meal. He's got all the lovely cutlery set out, the salt, the sugar, the condiments, and he's just like, there's something missing, and there's no plate and no food. No, no. So. But, but we're, we're um, not going to talk about my boys not eating. Um, Fair enough. You're the, been... you're the excited one. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, it's, been a, it's been a tough Nine months for long-suffering <laughs> Laker fans since their last NBA championship. So, um, <laughs> prayers up for Adam there uh, in La La Land. Life um, has not well, been easy. On on the other end of the I bag for teams that win championship spectrum is Dan. Um, still, have you have you have you gone through the five stages of grief after the draft lottery? Uh well, let's just say I've. I've had lots of time to work through those stages being a T-Wolves fan. <sighs> the worst franchise in of, in any sport in US history. I'm still getting over that. It's going to be left for a while. What You're title? not catching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers title? anytime soon. They, you, they... You, you, you know, we could have drafted Devin Booker, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was picked 13. Do you want to remind yourself of that? Ah. <laughs> uh... There are a few teams that could have picked Devin Booker, to be fair. Um, but, um, yes, this Phoenix Suns fan here, Andrew Lewis, host of the podcast, long-suffering Phoenix Suns fan, getting excited for Wednesday's Game 1 of the NBA Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and my Phoenix Suns. Wow, that was some NBA pods. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But uh, we like putting things in their... Pr- Correct and appropriate historical context here on this podcast, or at least talking about saying that we will and then not getting around to it. But um, game six, Milwaukee beat Atlanta in Atlanta. It was a, it was an interesting game, another huge game from Chris Middleton. We'll get to him in a short while, but it was the last game of the man who is probably the greatest NBA announcer ever, Marv Albert, who's uh, retiring. Um, I just uh, wanted to say, uh, wanted to touch that on that briefly. Marv probably provided the sort of soundtrack uh, to a lot of our basketball memories growing up. He was um, he became the national broadcaster on NBC in America he, when NBC got the national rights in 1991, which was also the year that Michael Jordan won his first NBA championship. So there's a bit of synergy there. Um, Perhaps his most iconic call was in that first NBA Finals he called for NBC when uh, Michael Jordan in Game 2 of the NBA Finals against the Lakers, against Adams Lakers, mm-hmm. um, left up from the free throw line, went to lay it in with his right hand, then swapped to his left hand. And, of course, the great Marv uh, line spectacular move by Michael Jordan. Um, so I spent a while doing the national broadcaster for NBC and then uh, later in his career was on TNT, but also before he became a national broadcaster, I guess, was famous for uh, being the uh, Knicks broadcaster, which is 
sort of the footsteps that Mike Breen has uh, carried on in, followed in as the Nixon answer and then sort of like the head um, broadcast. But just uh, Adam, first, I just wondered what your thoughts were on uh, sort of like the end of uh, the announcing career of Marv Albert. Oh, look, uh, it's, it's, I don't know if if we've got any footy fans listening, but it's just like the, like what list all cricket fans, Richie Benno hanging him up. It's, it's Bruce McAvaney hanging it up. It's yeah, it's, it's iconic. And yeah, I don't know. It's going to be, it's it's not going to be the same, but I mean, the game, uh, the show or the game must go on. What is, what's Mm. the, what's the right phrase? Well, I mean, the show does go on, doesn't it? I mean, TNT will either promote um, Iron, don't call me Ian Eagle, um, or Kevin Harlan, who, of course, everybody knows from NBA 2K. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, someone will take that mantle as their number one announcer on TNT, and hopefully, they they you know they, there's some sort of pair. I thought it was odd that. Um, in his last few years, and TNT do this a little bit. They they paired him with some guys who didn't really click with him. Maybe picked that you know, Marv was a pretty old age when he retired. I think he's in his early eighties. So yeah, um, it seemed like he went on a little bit too long. But you know, I think a lot of these commentators do do that. Um, but you did mention Bruce, and that obviously happened in Australia in like the last six months. Bruce Bruce gave it away. Um, called it a day from uh, being Channel 7's lead commentator. It's yeah. interesting that. Marv probably has a clearly defined greatest call of all time, the one I mentioned. Um, it seemed to be there was not a, a lot of agreement on what Bruce's greatest call was. Um, my suggestion was the uh, straighten up, kick the goal, Stewie, from a, a game between Richmond and Essendon in 1995, which ended in a draw. Um, Daniel, have you got anything, any memories of Marv Albert growing up uh, watching... You know, NBA basketball on Channel Ten on a Saturday morning, and or catching highlights of that sort of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, like he was just truly an, an iconic uh, announcer. You know, it was um, like a lot of my other heroes. You know, Bill Cosby, Michael Jackson. I mean, he also had a, a <laughs> oh, career I knew that you was going to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. You know, he had a career that was marked by a lot of things. Um, you know, greatness in his. Uh, in his uh, kind of chosen profession and, you know, a little bit of a checkered history off it, frankly. Like, I mean, I don't think any any discussion of his kind of career in its totality would be complete without talking about the, um, the you know, the 1997 scandal as well. Because um, as great as he was as an announcer, and, you know, even though he may have lost his fastball by the time he was sort of finishing up, you know, hanging on maybe just a touch too long... It really affected his career. Like it, it interrupted his career when he had that um, kind of uh, the kind of sexual assault scandal um, back in the late '90s, which was right about when I started really seriously following uh, NBA basketball. Right. Mm. So all the highlights, you know, you go back, all the highlights I'd listened to, you know, and and looked at. They had um, it was Marv's voice. You know, he was in Space Jam. Like <laughs> all of that, all of that. Right. He's every, he was everywhere. And yeah, like about a year, year and a half-ish after I started quite seriously following NBA basketball, there was also this that seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, And, um, you know, I I guess one thing I found, uh, you know, slightly interesting is that it sort of 
seems to have disappeared without a trace. No one, no one talks about it anymore. Um, you guys both knew I was going to bring it up, but <laughs> like, you know, I think as as great, um, and I think you know a lot of people have talked about him being the goat for what he did, right? <laughs> um, as great as his as as his career has been, there have been a lot of shades of uh, of grey through that time as well. Um, you know, this this scandal actually caused quite a serious career disruption for him at the time. You know, he, he lost his job and, um, you know, got hired to a, what was it, like an arena job again afterwards and disappeared from the broadcast, um, the, the kind of national and international broadcast scene for a bit um, before he finally came back, you know. Um, it was interesting to – it's interesting you point that out because I think we all remember him as, as, as you said, maybe the, the greatest NBA announcer ever. Um, he was the head com. He was the head announcer on the national broadcast for only like seven seasons. Um, mm. if that if he hadn't have done that awful thing that he did, let's not dance around it. If you want to Google Marv Albert scandal on Google, um, you'll find the details, and it's pretty sordid and awful. And I think you know, if anything, he didn't cop his white his his right whack. Um, but. If that had, if he hadn't have done that, and that hadn't have happened, I think he would have continued on as NBC's lead broadcaster until they lost the rights. Then perhaps a lot like John Madden, when when Fox when he when he left uh, Fox and Pat Summerall retired on the NFL, he then he then moved to Sunday Night Football. He moved to the, the headline broadcast um, on NBC. So it would be very, it would have been expected that Albert would have probably followed. The the broadcast, uh, you know, the, as the name national broadcaster to ABC and ESPN, instead of having to sort of rehabilitate his image for three or four years, go back a few rungs, and then finally make it to a, a national broadcast on TNT, which is, I mean, for the most part of the season, it is on a par with ESPN. But then you come to the NBA Finals, and ESPN have got them, and TNT don't. So, um, but TNT have the NBA All Star Game, they have All Star Weekend, so. It's a pretty evenly divided main uh, broadcast deal, I guess. So, but you can't you can't mention Albert without mentioning those events of 1997 um, and what I guess could have been. So, um, having said that, you know, it's hard to think of really too many other names in terms of calling basketball who are in his echelon other than possibly Mike Breen, who I mentioned earlier. Um, who is the head broadcaster on ESPN at the moment. He's the head caller. He'll be calling the NBA Finals uh, starting Wednesday with Jeff Van Gundy, who's clearly the best color man in the business, and Mark Jackson, who's not Jeff Van Gundy. Um, <laughs> it, it, so, I mean, that was worth mentioning. I think I think it's important that um, someone of the significance of Albert, and you know, we have people in, like that in other sports, um, you know, you mentioned Bruce and Richie, Adam, um, NFL had Pat Summerall and now has, and has Al Michaels, um, who's had this, Al Michaels has had this incredible career where he called, you know, he was announcing the miracle on ice. He was announcing the world series when Oakland were playing San Francisco and an earthquake hit. Um, he's sort of, Al Michaels is sort of this, and you know, in sports announcing Forrest Gump, where he always seems to be there when something incredible happens. Um, so, I mean, it is interesting to compare 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably a couple of English guys in, in, in the football soccer space. You know, Martin Tyler and Peter Drury are very good at what they do or have been very good at what they do. So I thought it was worth giving it its due attention and, and just touching on that as a starting point. So um, there's been, if I can move on, there's been a lot of discussion around the punditry about this NBA season. We've got uh, an NBA finals where we had uh, Milwaukee Bucks winning the Eastern Conference. They didn't have Giannis for the second half of the series. Trey Young, for the they beat the Atlanta Hawks. Trey Young missed a bunch of games. Um, and in the Western Conference, you had the Phoenix Suns, who didn't have Chris Paul for the first two games because of COVID, up against uh, the other Clippers, who didn't have Kawhi for any games in that series and didn't have him for some of the previous series. Um, the Clippers beat the Utah Jazz, who didn't have Donovan Mitchell fit and firing. Uh, the Denver Nuggets got swept by the Suns. They were missing Jamal Murray for the entire second half of the season. Um, and, of course, you had the LA Lakers, who were everyone's favorite to win the title at the start of the season and were, you know, very short to win the NBA, NBA title at the start of the playoffs coming from the seventh seed. But, you know, Anthony Davis got injured in the playoffs and didn't play the last two games. LeBron got injured during the middle of the season. Um, mm. Joel Embiid probably cost himself an MVP by getting injured during the season. Um, there's been a lot of... And, of course, the Brooklyn Nets, who we can't forget because they had three superstars and basically they had one of them playing by the end of the series who almost ran himself to exhaustion. Does this NBA title... You know, before I start luxuriating in the fact that my team is four wins away from their first NBA title, um, does this season have an asterisk? And is it disrespectful even to be talking about this in the context of an NBA season or any any sporting season for that matter? I just I'm interesting of your thoughts, Dan. I'll start with you this time. I've um. I've kind of adjusted my thinking on this, uh, not just specifically with this season in mind, but with kind of, I guess, the effects of injuries in general, right? Because I remember thinking at the time, you know, uh, when we had the, um, you know, the finals a few years ago, you know, we had the Raptors, we had Kawhi, and what do people really remember, even now? I know it feels like a million years ago, right? But what do people remember about that final series? Do they remember injuries? Do they remember the run? No, people remember that Kawhi is one of the best players in the league, and that he carried what was already a pretty good team and and proved it after he left when it was a very similar team just without him, that he carried that team to the finals. We don't really remember how close the Sixers got, which was just, you know, like the luck of of that final bounce or that final shot by Kawhi. And that season doesn't feel like it's marred by the fact that yeah, it doesn't feel like it's marred by the fact that there were some unfortunately timed critical injuries, right? I'm exactly the same. I tend to think of that season and I don't think of Durant doing his Achilles or Clay mm. Thompson doing his knee, although we were watching together when <clears throat> Clay did that. Um, yeah. I just think Kawhi was awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? And it's like mm. if there was any if there was any season that we would want to think of that way, surely it was that one. You know, the great unbeatable warriors falling and probably not completely un- not not at all unrelated to the fact that they were missing two of their best guys and that isn't that isn't the thing we remember about that that championship right mm-hmm. we the, don't uh, take it, we don't really take anything away from Kawhi and the raptors 
because that happened in that final series. And if we can't do that, I don't see any way we can do that for this season. Well, the um, example I always bring up, uh, and this relates to your team, Adam, is mm-hmm. that when everyone's talking about the bad boy Pistons and their two NBA, back-to-back NBA titles in the late 80s, um, everyone remembers the Pistons swept the Lakers for, the, for, the, for their first title, but they don't remember the fact that Magic Johnson and Byron Scott both got hurt in that series, and I don't think either of them played in like Game 3 or Game 4. Nope. So, yeah. you know... But that that tends to that tends to disappear in into the into the background, and we remember how good. And it's funny because the year before, when the Lakers beat the Pistons, everybody remembers Isaiah Thomas scoring twenty five points in a quarter on a on you know a horrendously sprayed ankle. So it it's interesting. Selective well, memory, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is it is selective though, right? Like. You know, when we think about this idea of like an asterisk season, or I think, you know, uh, Bill Simmons uh, talks about them as being like footnote seasons or something. Mm -hmm. But when when we think about those, really, what are we taking into account? It's something to do with competitive balance and it's something to do with fairness, right? Mm. I mean, essentially, it's, it's one or both of those two things. And seriously... Right. I mean, I know it's I know it's your team, Andrew. But like, if there's anyone you can't begrudge finally benefiting from a from key playoff injuries, it's Chris Paul and the Suns. Right. Fair enough. I know. I'm. You know. I, I'm not. I, you know. I don't want to get ahead of myself. <clears throat> um, Adam, you must. You probably encountered quite a bit of this with last season, which I thought was ridiculous because it wasn't like it wasn't like everyone was in a bubble and the Lakers were. Mm. you know at home no everyone was was in the same bubble everyone went to the same bubble everybody's played under the same conditions uh injuries are part of the sport uh global pandemics are part of the world we live in right now Mm. so uh, yeah i i just tend to to think we're all given it's not like yeah any team any one team has been given um unfair treatment so every every team faces challenges every season it's just i suppose at the moment the 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 challenges are just that little bit different and um people are trying to i don't know rationalize why results didn't go a certain way or why they did go a certain way um yes just um it's not like i mean it's not like anthony davis was a picture of incredible health for his entire <laughs> career in new orleans he got hurt <laughs> often you know and he did you know, it seems like it's not held against him i don't know if it was ever held against him. i don't know if this is a you know ring culture thing but i don't think it was ever really held against him the way it's held against Embiid. you know it's just like oh mm. Embiid, yeah, oh, i don't know I, since he's been in los angeles um everyone seems to love him until he gets injured in which case i believe the uh snap uh, Dame Lillard for Anthony Davis trades. <laughs> Get rid of him. He's injury-prone uh, sentiment. But, I mean, that's that's fans for you, really. So, Well, it's also the bright lights. Mm. Like, you know, mm. um, I think I think in, um, in Embiid's case, fairly or not, a lot of the criticism he gets about being injured is because people assume, rightly or wrongly, that he's injured more often than he should be because he doesn't work hard enough on his conditioning. Mm. 
right? And you see it. Like, he gets, he's winded at the end of games. Like, he isn't as fit as he should be for someone who carries the load he needs to carry and all that stuff. Yep. And whether or not that is one of the reasons he gets hurt as often as he does, um, certainly there is that. He does, you do get that impression he doesn't work as hard as some of the other guys on conditioning. And the size he is, right? Whereas that's never been a criticism that anyone's had for AD, right? I, I he's do, bigger I than Anthony believe, Davis. Yes, yeah, but he, I, I believe there are other superstars that have been criticised for their uh, their size, uh, one of which played alongside the, the late, great Kobe Bryant. And, um, yeah, yeah and his, conditioning, his conditioning was also something that was brought up, right? Yep. By, by the late, great Kobe Bryant, among mm-hmm. others. Funnily enough. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, like, I think that's a key difference, right? Mm. Like, honestly, in terms of, like, raw, raw talent, um, I think you can, you can make it, you could probably, over their careers, you could make the argument either way. This season, I'd have to say that, you know, Embiid's, Embiid's been the better, better of the two players, yeah. but they're not out of this, like, they're in the same conversation, right? They're not out of the, out of each other's league, right, talent-wise. But, um, you know, Embiid, Likes to have a bit of fun, um, you know. It's it's ne- not been a secret that his conditioning maybe is a bit less important to him than it is to some of the other high-profile players we've got in the league, particularly some of those in his sort of general stratosphere of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, people hold him responsible with some justification, I think, for maybe paying less attention to his health than he he could. Um, so, I mean, I don't think that's entirely unjustified. It's also Philly, and Philly is a brutal they, place. They booed Santa, Daniel. They yeah. booed Santa at it's a Philadelphia a Eagles game. Yeah, it's, it's a, a brutal not place. a good place when they turn on you. Just going back to Asterisk and Asterisk season, the other thing I think that needs to be mentioned is it doesn't, even if there is a really good reason to say, you know, say, oh, you know, this team won the NBA championship, but you know, this, this, that, and the other, is it doesn't seem to hurt players' legacies. So, you know, mm. no one no one seems to, you know, when, when people bring up Tim Duncan and the fact he won five championships, no one, it, that's that's all they say, you know, five-time NBA champion Tim Duncan, not five-time NBA champion, but one of them was in that ridiculous lockout season where they played 50 games in like four weeks and they beat mm-hmm. an eight seed in the NBA Finals. So, um, I think a lot of it is, you know, just trying to, a lot of it is, a lot of it is, you know, my championship is bigger than your championship. So trying to, Mm. you know, trying to do that year to year comparison, um, this T, you know, this NBA finals doesn't have a, doesn't feel like it has a heavyweight and, and, you know, we've had, we've had. The Lakers in last years, and then you know the five champ- five NBA finals before that, we had Golden State, who probably didn't, you know, the first Golden State Cleveland NBA finals nece- didn't necessarily might not have necessarily felt the time like it had a heavyweight, but LeBron was playing in it. Um, obviously the Miami teams, and then the, you know Lakers, Celtics, Tim Duncan, Spurs, Shaq, Lakers, and you sort of then you think back, this might be the least heavyweightish NBA finals since sort of before magic when you think about it. Yeah. Um, it might be the NBA it might be the NBA finals that has 
the you know the least. Mate, go to the mid go to the mid nineties when Jordan retired. All time player in it, and that might be the first time that's happened in a really long time. I mean, LeBron played in what eight mm. NBA final, you know, like ten NBA finals in like the space of thirteen years or something like that. So that mm. ticks all them off. And the ones he didn't play in, Steph Curry would played in one and. So think, this 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 might be the first NBA Finals that doesn't have a top twenty all time player in it. On the other hand, it uh, might have the second greatest point guard of all time in it if he does that again, like he did in the closeout games of the last two series. Yeah, look, look, recency bias I think comes into this. So recency bias and this whole how things are remembered historically. Mm. It's like we we see. I mean, we we think a little bit different because we remember the '90s very fondly. But people think of the current generation of players as the greatest who ever have ever taken the court. Yeah. Um, just as a lot of those people look back and see results, they didn't watch those series. They didn't. They didn't see like day to day seeing players like injury updates and and worrying if someone was going to take the court and that not everybody I suppose lives and breathes these playoffs like a lot of fans do a lot of fans will look back and go oh my team wasn't in it what happened and you just see a championship at the end of the day mm. um you see results you see a box score um so yeah I, I think it's kind of in the same vein as um recency biased and yeah, look, I, I think you, you you're really underselling Chris Paul there. I, I've I've given him grief for a very long time, but that's because he was a Clipper, and I think um, he's, he's he said after the game that he'll always be a Clipper, which you know I thought was probably a really good way of getting out of the building alive without Pat Bev's family sort of <laughs> killing him on the way out. Pat Bev cried. Oh, do we game. really want to talk about Patrick Beverly? That mongrel! I tell you what. <laughs> oh. Is there a more annoying little runt in the NBA that you just want to backhand? We might get swept in the NBA finals and I'll still enjoy more because I don't have to watch my team playing that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He gets calls and he complains about them. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just a guy who's been to fight and scratch for every little inch he's ever got and he just doesn't know how to turn it off when he's on the court. So Busted Booker's Booker's face and... And uh, shoved Chris Paul. Yeah, look, I, I, I actually, um, I, I agree. DeAndre ate the Beaker treatment too. You know, have Beaker from the Muppet Show, how you try and hit him on the top of the head, and his head sort of just shrinks into his jacket, that sort of thing. <laughs> well, so I guess I, um, I want to push back a bit on that idea about the the heavyweights, right? Because who's still standing? And look. In terms of what you're talking about, you know, have they got a, a, an X-ranked all-time guy or two or two, you know, X-ranked all-time guys or whatever? I mean, the fact of the matter is, the Suns are pretty young. You know, um, Aiton, Aiton hasn't. He's, you know, he's he's kind of had a, a blossoming this year's playoffs. But for all we know, in ten years, what his legacy is going to actually look like, right? Like the fact of the matter is that in these playoffs. So far, right? He did what he did to um, AD as long as that lasted. He did what he did to Jokic, the MVP of the league, for as long as that lasted, right? And 
he has shown that he can be a you can have a classic big a classic defensive big like a 90s noughties style classic defensive big and if they're quick enough and agile enough move their hips well enough and are smart enough you can't beat them by throwing small ball lineups at them right he's i don't want to say he's tried yeah and i don't want to say he's underrated although he is because that's what everyone's saying about him right the fact of the matter mm. is that, like, look, say, say for example, say the Bucks were fully healthy. Um, I, I, I don't know whether they've made a declaration about Giannis's status for the finals, but let's say he was potentially available. Let's say he'd be close to who we, we have seen him to be in the past, right? What sorts of players do really well defending Giannis? Players just like DeAndre Ayton, right? Hmm. Blake Griffin was his best, def- had the best um, matchup numbers defending Giannis this season, but it's always someone like him. Al Horford, you know, um, uh, in his Celtics days, did a really good job on him. You, you get mean the two days ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you get a couple of unusual, you know, uh, uh, freakishly good defenders like Kawhi, who even though they're they're really wings they do a fantastic job on Giannis too but really it's normally strong athletic defensively minded bigs do a great job defending Giannis right they're the they're the normally your best bet um and so you look at this this kind of Phoenix roster DeAndre Ayton doesn't yet have whatever recognition he's going to end up with when his career is in full bloom he's not hit his peak yet um and we're not looking back on a like a retrospective of his career but this could be a part of what could be a really impressive legacy 10 years from now, depending on how things go, right? Yeah. Now, obviously, and I'm, I'm not going to mention this again, but I am a Phoenix Suns fan, so I'm not terribly mm-hmm. objective about this sort of thing. And obviously, there's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of stuff about DeAndre getting drafted ahead of Luka Doncic, ahead of Trey Young, but more just ahead of Doncic. Um, but this was 16, 17 years ago and DeAndre Ayton was putting this type of playoff run, doing these sort of things. We'd all be talking about, geez, all he needs to do is go to Hakeem Post School and this guy's going to be MVP. I mean, look at him. He's got mm-hmm. better touch than Dwight Howard did in his prime. Yep. Yep. Some of the shots he was hitting in the last two series, it's been like, oof, you know, quick release, 10-foot jump shots with lovely touch, not rattling around the rig, not line drives, just, oh, you know, that's that's pretty. Um, make no oh. make no bones about it. DeAndre Ayton could win the finals MVP over the next two weeks. That is, you know, that is in play, a sort of 18-13 with two or three blocks shooting 65% from the field. Well, that, another... that is in play. You know, it's a, it's a mm. huge uh, contrast of styles, him being matched up against uh, Lopez. That's... Yes. Yeah, yes. That's, that's rolling the dice from both both sides. That's they're not going to one's not going to beat the other. It's just one game, one style of game is going to dominate the other, and that's how it's going to be. And I mean, Milwaukee are in the finals because of the sort of production they got from Lopez towards the end of that Hawks series. So, well, yeah, but I mean, did you did you watch those games? Because um, the way he got to that production uh, in Game Five, at least, was. So you remember back in the before times, before Brook Lopez reinvented himself as a like a a floor spacing big, right? Yep. Back when he remembered that he was, you know, seven foot twelve, whatever the hell he is, right? <laughs> that he was a gigantic human. 
and he was a 20-ish point-per-game scorer from post-touches, right? In Game 5, that's what happened. In Game 5, he suddenly the, the, they suddenly remembered that about him, and that's how he got his points in Game 5, right? Yeah. So you might or might not see him doing the floor spacing thing, um, depending on how they, you know, how they balance their attack, right? Obviously, if they don't have Giannis, their offense looks quite a lot different. Um, they might do it because, I mean, probably the reason why they did that is, is obviously in part because Giannis wasn't playing, but also because they realized that, you know, Clint Capella has played at a high level for five or six seasons in the NBA and never had to guard anyone on the post playing center. So he's just like, well, let's see if he can actually do this. And they might think, you know, they might think in game one, well, let's see if DeAndre can actually defend in the post, especially if Giannis is not playing. It's just like, let's see if he's got this in the kit bag because he didn't have to defend anyone in the post during the Clippers series. He, You know, Marcus Morris, when he came in for Zubac, faced him up. And, you know, Zubac played well, but he was he was doing a really good job feasting on scraps. So Yeah, well, also just thinking about positioning on the floor, right? I mean, Giannis kind of owns that, um, you know, that painted area, you know, like eight and in, eight feet and in kind of area. And, you know, you can't have anyone else in there or they'll get in his way, right? That's one of the yeah. reasons, you know, Lopez has been so valuable to them because he's big, he can defend centers, but he can score from outside, right? But now they're to get their floor balance right you want to have um you want to have the outside that sort of in important high leverage moments kind of belongs to chris middleton and that sort of dribble in mid-range drive in belongs now a lot at least over the last few games since they've had you know they haven't had Giannis so much has been very much holiday's spot right and they don't have anyone who's kind of living inside at the moment Right, PJ Tucker's a great corner three-point shooter. If they're giving him significant minutes, he's a you know, not this season. I think um, I think he got pipped by uh, uh, Griffin this season. But for the previous few seasons, you know, PJ Tucker's the best corner three-point shooter in the league, right? Um, and um, so, like, just thinking about the geometry of the floor, you know, you might well see a bit more inside play from Lopez than we're used to seeing when Giannis is healthy. Um, if Giannis is not healthy. Um, before yeah. we before we completely move on to the NBA Finals, um, I just wanted your thoughts on on the, the two teams that got vanquished in the conference finals. Um, we'll start with Atlanta. Um, my quick question on the Hawks is, if they don't make the conference finals next season, is that a disappointment with who no. they've got? I mean, they've got they've got an exceptionally young and exceptionally deep roster. Um, but they could quite easily. You know, I feel like next season would be a pretty good season for them if they just got out, just won a round. Um, yeah. I mean, I some of the teams that they're up against in the East are, you know, rather good too, right? Like, I think we got a bit of a glimpse. Good teams in the uh, East. <laughs> I think we got a bit of a glimpse of how good Brooklyn would have been. If Brooklyn. every if everyone was healthy, right? Like people, we weren't. You know, no one was really quite sure that what was it a, looked like with those guys. It was an and, awesome ten minutes. It really was. <laughs> um, and that that performance by you know those performances by KD when he was kind of the only healthy one of them. Um, you know that's 
they could be really special. They should be really special if if everyone kind of comes back. But I think one thing that um, I haven't heard talked about a whole lot, actually, is just how ravaged by injuries Atlanta was. Right? Yeah. Like, Hunter is their best, def- like, perhaps their best defender. And they were, they, they were missing him, mm. you know? Um, Bogdanovich wasn't fully healthy. Um, and, you know, they had, uh, they had at least one or two, one other key injury that I've forgotten. I'm forgetting at the moment, but like. Well, Collins missed a chunk of time and yeah. obviously Trey Young got hurt in the playoffs. So. Well, their record. So mm. the other thing was, I think something like roughly from the all-star break on their record, it was actually the same as the Sixers in the regular season, right? For the last 35, 40 games of the season or whatever it was. They actually had the same record as the number one seed. And before that, the first half of the season, they'd had bad injuries, right? Um, and they've got a... I remember um, vaguely, back to our preseason pod, that I can't remember if I was... I think I might have been the one who was kind of pretty optimistic about their chances, just looking at their roster construction going into the season. And look, they didn't quite live up to all of that, um, partly, I think, because of some of the injuries and that sort of thing. But... Like, just look at their roster. It's really good. Um, I don't think they fail if they don't get back to the conference finals, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see them there again. Hmm. Because Trey Young, who I, I've got to say, everything up until the playoffs started, I still wasn't much of a fan, right? But now I am. He's, he's-, he's shown he's something that I didn't think he was. He's, not a, he's yeah. not a good stats, bad team guy like I thought he might be. He's hmm. actually just good. He's also what sports needs. <clears throat> yeah. A villain. <laughs> he is. He wears just a black hat and it's awesome. So <laughs> he's he's working on the he's working on the pencil mustache. It's just gonna take him another six months to get there. It's well, gonna yeah. take him a while. <laughs> and and the comb over. Um Oh, that's rough. <laughs> Adam, I want you to drag all your professionalism to the surface. And all your magnanimousness and answer this as honestly and as candidly as you can. Oh, boy. This Clipper team with a fit Kawhi, they they could have won the NBA title, really. Yeah, what, you mean like a healthy Lakers outfit that had a healthy LeBron and AD? Yeah, but, I mean, you all had to get, you know, you just had to take your turn. But... Um, yeah, this Clippers team, and, and we discussed this through this the, the Phoenix uh, Clippers series, mm. and I kept ragging on the Clippers because <laughs> they're cursed. But they are they're cursed. They they do they do have the the uh, the foundations of a championship team. But if they can't put the team on the court, what's the point? I know, but the point now, I make my is- question is about Kawhi. Okay, this is this is going to bring. I mean, I, yes, he did what he did in Toronto. He screwed over the Spurs. Is he doing the same thing in LA? Let me put it this way: This is Paul George's team, and he's not. And is Kawhi not happy about this? Oh well, if he's not happy about it, he's not happy about it. But not happy to the know, extent where he got nothing... an owie on his knee and decided not to play, or or sat in the stands for five games. Yeah. Um, instead of Dan with his team. Um, look, or is that just who Kawhi is? That, yeah, that's my question. That, 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 
oh, that's he's just Kawhi being Kawhi. We, you know, it's Wilt being Wilt. That wasn't a that wasn't a that wasn't a compliment to Wilt Chamberlain, who also <laughs> has two NBA titles. Um, <laughs> I um, I think and, um, yeah. you know, I just think first of all, there's nothing more Paul George could have done in that series. Paul George did in the Sun series what Kevin Durant did in the Brooklyn in the Black series. Can, can he I played himself can to I the point of exhaustion. Can, yeah. can I correct you there? He could have made one of those two free throws. That's what he could have done. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You, you, mean, you mean you mean like KD could have taken half a step back? <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, if you were if you were you would have been annoyed at that. But the response from Paul George through games three, four, and five after that was exactly where it needed to be. He led, right? Yep, he did. And, after he lost them the series, he led. Yep, and. Yep. You know, everybody talks about, hey, come on, let, let's. There's enough. There's enough blame for that game two loss to the Suns. <laughs> you know, Boogie. On, I don't know what Boogie was guarding, but he was guarding the pass for the alley oop dunk, and it's 0.8 seconds. There's only one place where the ball's going. So, yep. I think you, know, you have to call I, it the. I think you have to call it the value. It's the law. The value. Value. The value. Uh, I still can't believe that happened. Um, I just I think it's Paul George's team, and I think everyone's going to be talking about you know, and they've crowned Kawhi because he's won two NBA titles. You know that that the first you know it was the first NBA title he played. He did everything that was ex- expected of him, but it was they had an incredible system, and the Heat were cooked. And I called it mm-hmm. three weeks in advance at the time. Um, he was incredible. You know, the, give him you know crown his ass in terms of that Toronto uh, championship. Um, but he didn't feel the need to defend the title, unlike the rest of the Raptors did, who defended it most stoutly, mm. considering they were overmatched from that point on. They, you know, Kawhi walked; they didn't replace him with any asset. Um, I, you know, the question the Clippers. You know, we're talking. We've heard. I've heard all sorts of trade rumors. The ridiculous Paul George for D- Damian Lillard idea. Let's just trade two guys for each other who despise each other. Um. Why wouldn't you trade Kawhi? Well, isn't he under, isn't he a free agent? Well, I guess the, the problem is an option for this year. George signed an extension, so well, George think, has committed his future to LA. To yeah. the Clippers. Sorry. So well, I you never know. He might have committed his. his future. No, he's not going to. That ship sailed. So, um, I, I, it might be a vacancy I, in Portland after Lillard signs with the league. Anyway, <laughs> I, I actually wanted to respond to a couple of those points. Um, yep. So I think you're right. I, I didn't think he had it in him, actually, uh, George. But you see him down there, you know, particularly after the criticism he got for, you know, and the, the locker room unrest from last season, mm. where there was complaining about getting special treatment without having earned it yet and that sort of stuff. They made a few roster changes. But seeing him, like, I, um, I don't know if any of you guys watched that brief, like the post game after the Terrence Mann game. And how gracious Paul George was there. I can't, I can't imagine they called that the Terrence Man game. <laughs> anyway, dude yep. got what forty four points. I know, points I know, I know. Out of nowhere, oh right? Oh my god! And hey, hey Adam, I'm just well, yeah. wait. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Kawhi giving that interview though? I can't. Well, yeah, no. Can Adam, I, you were at the Kobe Bryant Kawhi game giving giving interviews. Well, and the other thing is like. When you, the Kobe um, Bryant game. Yeah, yeah where well, he scored 60 and never I played again. That game. But, yeah, the Kobe yeah. Bryant game. 
<laughs> but when people when people are talking about like again, just thinking about this pattern of speech, right? People talk about Kawhi being Kawhi, Wilt being Wilt. Like what they're actually saying is this guy's an a hole, right? Well, yeah, I, they're just I, not he, saying it that way. He's just saying I, at best, I've tried and I cannot understand this person. He does things that aren't what I would expect from a like a normal teammate. Yeah, is mm-hmm. what we're talking about. And he's, so he's all the talk about Wilt, apart from. There's two things everyone mentions about Will. One, his incredible physical ability, and two, the fact that he was a head case. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a bad teammate. Know, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the thing about Kawhi, he's got the he's got the skill and the talent and all of that. And he's very much kind of a closed book, right? Like I won't be surprised. Why haven't they talked about uh Kawhi trades? Probably they don't know what they might get, you know? This whole idea, like, he... Th- we've got this, the Spurs program, which is, at this point, honestly, one of the most storied programs in the entire league, right? Over a really long yeah. period of time. They had this long run, you know, a lot of that spearheaded by Pop and the culture he's kind of created. And they didn't do it in, like, a giant, you know, um, uh, like a glamour market. It's not in New York. It's not in LA, Right. Yeah. Um, they've just sort of built it with, with quality, um, with attention to detail, with great scouting, with great drafting, with great player development. And the one person, the one star that came out of that who really just completely 100% didn't buy in, wasn't happy, decided to leave was Kawhi. He's, 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 he's an unusual sort of person. He's an unusual sort of guy. And, you know, you mentioned... He did the he they had that that kind of great run with the Raptors, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't tempted by the idea of being able to defend that title, you know, wanted to go somewhere else, um, and this whole thing that now Paul now in in LA when it you know after last season it seemed like Paul George was kind of on the outer and Kawhi was the one that they were sort of hanging everything on. At the end of this season, Kawhi is sitting up in the rafters and. Um, and Paul George is not only performing on the court, but he's sitting with his teammates, being with them, encouraging them, offering the vocal leadership that it seems he didn't just wasn't in the right headspace or whatever it was last season to to offer. I agree. It's his team now. Um, I don't know how Kawhi would feel about that, but I don't think that's what he thought he was signing up for when he uh, when he came to the Clippers or when he you know requested that Paul George be brought as a condition of his joining the team, right? I don't think that's what he had in mind. Um, mm. They had this whole thing about, you know, like Kawhi never wanted to play with LeBron, right? Why was that? Probably for the obvious reason. He didn't want to be playing, like he wanted to be the, you know, the kind of the centerpiece of the team. And, he didn't want to be second fiddle. Yeah. Which is, yep. which is odd because, you know, despite what he did in Toronto, he was undoubtedly their best player and he was the reason why they won the championship more than anything else. But it was a team with existing strong leadership. You know, yeah. it was before and was after Kyle Lowry's team. And the Spurs were definitely not Kawhi Leonard's team when they won the title. They were Tim Duncan's team, despite the fact Tim Duncan was in the, you know, in the autumn of his career you know he's probably playing 30 minutes a game and playing 70 games a year and that sort of thing so you know it's it's it's, it's interesting if Kawhi wants to the, the options for Kawhi if he wants to be in a situation where it's something is undoubtedly his team 
maybe Paul George is the wrong cat to be putting in a potential Dame Lillard trade because mm. I don't I don't know where Kawhi goes if he wants to get traded to somewhere where he is the guy on the team and they are challenging for an NBA title. I don't know where that is. You know that 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 those teams all have existing alpha dogs. So yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't checked the numbers recently, but uh, you know, there are a couple of teams that might possibly have some compatible uh, sorts of attitudes potentially um, that have some cap space, you know, like maybe one in South Beach, for example. Um, it's been talked about. I don't know if he's interested, but he's, it's been talked about. Um, I mean, if he's a free agent, he can go wherever he wants. We know there's one team on the East Coast who are going to throw cajillions at him if he's on the on the market, and that's the Knicks. They've got the got a team that had the four seed and... Yeah, and you know, as, a... as as long as they let him chop her in from what is it, San Diego? <laughs> well, <laughs> he might agree. <laughs> um, but you know, like that's the thing. Like I, I'm just thinking about it, right? And I won't be surprised if I get a Woj bomb in the next week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. And I won't be surprised if it says Kawhi has you know, announced he's leaving leaving the Clippers or is exploring his options, wants to sign with uh, another team. I would be surprised if I if I uh, read that he re-signed, you know, and recommits. I, I basically, nothing that I could hear about Kawhi is going to shock me. And that's weird. Whereas, mm. you know, you've got a... Paul George has clearly doubled down on his commitment to the Clippers. Um, and it it does. It seems like it's it's become his team now. Um, it's going to be a different team next season regardless. Like, the guy who became probably their second most important overall over the whole playoffs, second or third, mm. most important player through the playoffs, Reggie Jackson, they're never going to be able to re-sign him. They can only offer him 10, and he's going sure. to get more. He's going to get offered more on the open market. He's a free agent, so sounded like a guy who wanted to stay in LA post Game Six, though. Maybe, but he, he, you know, he hasn't seen those contract offers yet. Mm. Um, he he can That's get fair. offered. He can get offered significantly more by someone else. And you remember, this is a guy who had a stab at being, you know, a um, like a lead or second lead guy early in his career, and kind of, you know mostly due to head reasons rather than basketball skill and athleticism reasons um, that didn't work out. Um, but, you know, he has shown he could, he could really be something uh, on a team where he got to, you know, got to start and, uh, and play significant minutes and have more, uh, more flow through him. Um, he's shown he could do that. He's shown he can do it on the biggest stage too. So, you know, he might Not like the quite team. the biggest stage, Daniel, because the biggest <laughs> stage is the NBA Finals, and that's Smooth. how you win Segue Awards, Smooth. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, let's get on to the NBA Finals. It is the Eastern Conference champion Milwaukee Bucks and the Western Conference champion my Phoenix Suns. It's the it's it's time to settle old scores with the Phoenix Suns. A bit of a history lesson for anyone listening. Um, the Phoenix Suns and Milwaukee Bucks came into the NBA in the same season in 1969 as two expansion teams. And back then, they gave the two worst teams 50-50 chance of the number one pick. They flipped a coin 
and the team that won the coin flip got the number one pick, and the team that lost the coin flip got the number two pick. And the year that Phoenix in Milwaukee came into the season was also the year maybe the greatest college player of all time came into the NBA. His name was Lou Alcindor. You might know him better as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The coin was flipped. Milwaukee won the coin flip, and Alcindor, then Abdul-Jabbar, went to Milwaukee. They won a title in their second season. Abdul-Jabbar won the finals MVP in 1971. They also made the finals in 74 before Abdul-Jabbar went to Adams Los Angeles Lakers because he's a center and that's the way the universe <laughs> works. Um, well, Phoenix Suns picked a guy with a second pick named Neil Walk, who oh, anyone who knows anything about basketball, they say that guy was hairy. That's all they say. That's all they can say. Neil stopped having birthdays a few years ago, so um, our thought, you know, um, but um, he played eight NBA seasons for three different teams. And did you just stop yourself from saying thoughts and prayers? I might have just stopped myself. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, he's he's rested peace, Neil Walk. Um, I'm sure you gave everything you had for those uh, seasons you were in Phoenix and wherever else you happened to stop in your NBA travels. Um, so this is time to settle some scores. Milwaukee he played is... a lot more NBA games than any of us did. Yes, yes, yes he did. He did. He was a number two draft pick. Um, and he could have had an outstanding career in Milwaukee if we had won the... And let's face it, I think Phoenix might have been a slightly bigger chance to keep Kareem uh, than Milwaukee did. The only reason Kareem played in the NBA is because George Mikan forgot to give him a million-dollar check and get him to play in the ABA. Anyway... Um, <laughs> The Eastern Conference was just almost a case of the last man standing who's, you know, it was it was hard to f- figure out anything from the Eastern Conference playoffs as it was happening. What we did figure out is Chris Middleton is legitimate. That third quarter of game six, what did he hit, 25 points in the third quarter, 23 points? It was incredible. And the Hawks kept scoring, and they just couldn't get any closer to Milwaukee. And it was this, I'm closing this out. I got this. Um, depending on when Giannis is back, will, will, I mean, will Milwaukee have a, will Middleton have a tougher time being guarded by whoever's, you know, Mikel Bridges uh, and Devin Booker rather than whoever was guarding him from Atlanta, the Red Mamba, Kevin Herter, that, that type. Wow. I'm trying to look up if... Um... Giannis is due back. They normally announce it the day before. So, yeah. so we're he's... recording this Monday night, so this would be Tuesday Australian time for the Wednesday game one. 11 a.m. tip-off, everyone, Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, so I'm looking at an update now mm-hmm. that says he's... Breaking news. He's listed as day-to-day. Yep. yep. The official injury of record is a hyperextended left knee with no structural damage. So whether or not they're kind of playing a communications game and being a little coy about how badly hurt he is, um, he could very well suit up in the finals, even if it's not for game one. Yeah, and it could be a Kawhi situation where he was never coming back and they were just stringing it along. Yeah. Possible. Or, um, Possible. It is also a situation where they could have been testing Kawhi's knee and saying, how does this feel? And Kawhi didn't really answer. Um yeah. Just said something about a board man getting paid or something. <laughs> Clearly, he's uh, he's had a blow to the head. Yes. Um, Does anyone think this, the Bucks can win this series without Giannis making no. a contribution at any stage? No, no. So the Hawks are just a different proposition than the Phoenix Suns. Well, 
so I think there are a couple. Firstly, yes. Secondly, I mean, yes, <laughs> the Hawks had yeah. Secondly, the Hawks had their own injury problems. Um, mm. I mean, no one obviously no one the caliber of Giannis, but they don't have anyone the caliber of Giannis anyway. Um, but they had some important important people missing, right? As I say, you know, the guy who probably would have been defending Middleton and posing more challenges than the people they had to throw at him, uh, DeAndre Hunter, was missing for the whole series, right? Um, We never really got to see that matchup in the playoffs. But, you know, he all signs point to him having been able to, you know, keep up with with Middleton better than the people they could throw at him, you know? He would have been the guy that they had on him. Um, Phoenix is essentially healthy. I mean, Cam Johnson, I'm not sure how badly hurt he is, uh, whether he's going to be able to come back, who's, uh, you know, a valuable sort of three and D piece that they, um, that they, that they miss when he's gone. But aside from that, you know, the Suns are essentially healthy. They're by far the healthiest team that was, that made it to the conference finals in, uh, in either conference. And, they look really good. They look really together. And the Bucks at the moment are missing the guy the entire team's built around. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They you managed know, to win those last two games, though. It was a pretty good response from the Bucks because, you know, Giannis goes out and it's 2-2 sort of anyone's series. And from that point on, well, that's they true. took care of business. But you, well, you think about, you, you think about this. That's true, but no one's if mentioned it was the Brooklyn, fact that... that wasn't happening. Well, not not only that though. No one's mentioned the fact that Trey Young was out too, right? Yeah. Oh, so he was we, out for game for game five. He wasn't out for game six, but he was he wasn't himself in game six. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's 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 playing on one leg. Like that that ankle is not right, or or whatever it was his ankle. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, he's. They were talking about him maybe not being back for the very start, like the, just the very start of next season, right? Like it's not a trivial injury he got. Um, mm. So, like you know, they were missing Trey Young as Trey uh, cast as Trey Young. They were kind of Trey Young cast as uh, James Harden in the previous round. Like that's that's what they were sort of, you know. Yeah, they like, were leaving. And every everybody, yeah. uh, I guess, I guess the the, the roundup here is that. Every other team, bar Phoenix, is limping at this stage yeah. of the and and all credit to them, they've they've stayed healthy throughout. The only injury scare was at the very beginning of the playoffs, and that was Chris Paul. Yeah. And yeah. Now, since he's been back, they've been phenomenal. So yeah. look, Cam Johnson is a really good rotation player, and they're missing him. But aside from that, everyone's pretty much healthy. I've just looked up the odds on one of those organizations that does that thing for a living. And um, <laughs> Phoenix are $1.60 and Milwaukee are $2.40 to win the series. So that there's up. a clear favorite, but I wouldn't suggest an overwhelming favorite. So, um, well, yeah, so I, let's, I, let's, I let's, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to do something which could be best described as half luxuriating, half possibly tempting fate. So going through the, all the bad luck stuff that the Phoenix Suns, when they made their first NBA finals in 1976, they were extremely lucky. They 
They suckered Rick Barry into a fight in Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals. None of his teammates came to defend him, and then Rick Barry passed, you know, did the hot potato thing for the second half, and they lost to a team that had won 42 games. Um, they were lucky to make the finals. They were lucky to, get, you know, send a game to triple overtime against the Boston Celtics, but they lost the series to a, to a better team. Um, when I, you know, the, through the period I've been growing up until the last 10 years, um, you know, since I started from the Phoenix Suns were a team that were never bad for very long. They were the sort of team that would miss the playoffs for a season, retool and get back to competitiveness, but they wouldn't, but they were most of the time they were like a, a 47, 48, 49 win team that might get out of the first round, but weren't going to win a title. The two times that that hasn't been the case has been the Barkley Suns, which are the team I, with the reason why I started following them. Um, there's no shame in your team losing an NBA Finals to Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls because everyone who played them did lose to them. Um, but if you ask most Phoenix Suns they, about terrible losses about the Barkley Suns, they'll talk about the Mario Eli game. They'll talk about the 95 Suns who were better than the 93 Suns and lost a seven heartbreaking seven-game series to the Houston Rockets who were the sixth seed. Um, Basically, because you know, in the end, because of that Mario Alley three, mm. um, so there was, th- and that was that was it for you know, Barkley was in Houston like six months later, so that was the end of that. Um, and then there's the Steve Nash sons who were particularly snake bitten. Um, now we you could debate to the cows come home whether Steve Nash should have one MVP, let alone two, but you know. Running into the Spurs the way they did, and particularly the 2007 Suns, where it was probably Nash's best year, it was the year he didn't win the MVP. Um, but, you know, Robert Ory runs Nash into the scorer's table. Stoudemire and Dio get up off the bench. They get suspended for a game that we lose, and we lose the game in six, lose the series in six. We lost to the 06 Mavs. Um, I think 2006 Mavs was the game where they, where they couldn't stop Nash's eye, nose bleeding. Or was it was it one of those in two thousand and five? It was the Spurs, and, and I think it was that might have been it might have been the two thousand and five one. Two thousand and uh, and two thousand five was also the one that Joe Johnson was still with the team and he got hurt before the playoffs. And then to top it all off, two thousand and ten when somebody airballed a three at the end of game six for the Lakers Suns series, and then Ron Artest somehow grabbed and put it back, and the Lakers won that game. Isn't that great? The Lakers yeah. won that game. Yeah. By the way, that was just about our last playoff game until about four weeks ago. Yep. Uh, so I'm we didn't sorry. play playoffs for that until then. I'm and then it was just a couple, then it was just a ten years of no I'm no. Sorry, no, who, not, who made that put back, Andrew? Ron Artest. Meta World Peace. Okay. Meta World. Oh, there we go. There we go. Good. <laughs> <Right. laughs> trying to find the name of those. Look at the stats. I mentioned <laughs> Al Cinder and Kareem Abdul Jabbar. I should only do Meta World Peace the same give him the same respect and get his name correct. Thank you. But unlike those teams in the 90s and the 2000s, that even when Barkley left, they bounced back. They had Jason Kidd, they had Stefan Marbury, they had Rex Chapman, they had the you know teams that would make the playoffs, make win a series. After we lost that series to the to the Lakers, we got the Suns got broken up, and then were pretty much horrific for a decade. They were broken um, for a decade. Yeah. yeah, it started to pick up last season. But we weren't going to make the playoffs somehow by some like some quadratic equation. We got invited to the bubble, and then we we were one Karis Levert 
eight-foot runner away from making the playoffs, making the playing game. Yeah, we went 8-0, and since then, we traded for Chris Paul, and it's been, you know, and even this, even during the season, things started slowly, and then it sort of started to turn around, and then we started getting some buzz, and we were winning, beating good teams and going on those sort of... We won 9 out of 10, 12 out of 13, those sort of streaks that you think teams are legit and being the Jazz who were run, you know, were run away, running away with the best record in the NBA from like the first week of the season. Um, I was just thinking, do I start to think that this team can win the championship? And then then Denver trade for Aaron Gordon. I was just thinking, oh, there's another team you know, we might play in the first round. That that might be a tough out. And then and then and then it starts to look like we might get the one seed. And we just miss out on that. But then everything falls into place in the last week of the season that we end up getting the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. And after game three, I was just like, well, this is, I, you know, what's the point? Because, you know, we were 2-1 down in the series. Mm. And he's just like, we run into, we, you know, maybe next next time we get the two seed, we're going to proper seven seed in the first round instead of the defending champions who are just coming back to health. But... From that point on, they win nine straight games in the playoffs. They just they went on an absolute tear. Yeah. Well, I actually, when we were talking about the um, the whole thing about asterisk asterisk seasons or asterisk championships or whatever before, a point that I heard on a podcast actually recently, but I forgot to mention then, was um any idea, guys, which team led the league in uh, winning record versus five hundred uh, teams that were five hundred and above? I know, I know. It was the Phoenix Suns. Right. So that means that they spent a lot of time during the season, before a lot of these guys got hurt, beating really good teams. In Mm. fact, more of it than any other team did, right? Um, So, you know, like that's that's hardly irrelevant. And you got to see kind of the, um, I guess, the culmination of a lot of that in these playoffs. With some of the performances against, like, I mean, I was so impressed <laughs> to the point of being a bit shocked with how well Aiton played against uh, Davis and definitely with how well he played consi- and consistently against our league MVP this season, right? <laughs> against Joker. Yeah. But he was playing really well during the season. In fact, he was. Um, he was Jokic's best defender this season during the regular season. Hmm. I just I have one word of advice for Nikola Jokic. I really want him to take this to heart. Keep going under the screen. Thank you. Um, <laughs> he'll sort that out. He's he's he was the league MVP for a reason, and he'll 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 sort that out. But yeah, during that that during that Nugget series, he kept going, and particularly in game well before he got ejected. <laughs> um, um, you know, Chris Paul kept taking him where he wanted. That's where I want to finish. We like talking about legacy. We like talking about we, you know, we we took thirty six players last year during the middle of the first lockdown and sort of ranked them. And we had, I think, you had Chris Paul in your team, Daniel, didn't you? I did. You did. So, um, but we've also talked about, you know, last year, I think when we did, when we talked about it, when we're at this stage last season, 
uh, or maybe before the season, before the playoffs, when we, when we were doing a podcast, we talked about Houston versus OKC and how it was going to be Westbrook versus Paul. They were traded for each other, and they're both awesome players, but not you know, there's no one on the court who we want having the ball in the last two minutes. Chris Paul just put 36 points on the Nuggets in a closeout game, and then he just put 41 on the Clippers, including 31 in the second half. I mean, he just decided mm-hmm. this is yeah, you know, and there was a point in the you know, and that was. I didn't really feel very confident for most of Game Six, um, and that oh, wow. And then, and then Mark Jackson, you know, the start of the fourth quarter was just like, and you know, maybe there's things you can see calling from court side or things like that. But he's just like, you've, if you're the Suns, you're going to be like, we want to put them away. We want it. It's 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 winning time. You know that sort of thing. And that's exactly what Paul did. It was an inc- it was incredible. But when we talk about legacy. Yeah, what's what's the what's the what's the what's the range we're looking at, Chris Paul, in these playoff in these finals now in terms of point guards? Because I think you know now that he's made the NBA finals and he's sort of splitting hairs or angels on a pit head, I sort of feel like I don't know if at particularly not at thirty six years of age, but I don't know if at any stage of his career. John Stockton was putting up 31 points in the second half of a closeout closeout playoff series game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is, is it a, is it like a three? Is it is it is it Johnson, Zeke? Is it Magic Zeke, Chris Paul, and maybe if this finals, if he wins this finals, <laughs> does Paul go past Zeke? You know, like the second greatest point guard of all time. Whoa, is he there already? Oh. Is this recency bias, Adam? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Like, I don't discount Paul as one of the the. He's a top ten of all time, but you're putting what? him up in the top three at the position. No, no, yeah, point guards. Yeah, I'm not saying top ten of all time. Full stop. Yeah. Um, we're talking proper point guards. We're sort of discounting someone like Oscar Robertson and you know guys like that and Jerry West because they played in an era where there were just guards. I still think there's a discussion that Nash Nash is better, but does winning a title really make put him into the top three? As I said, I think I I I, I can't really imagine John Stockton putting that game on the Clippers, even at his prime. Mm-hmm. maybe you know Stockton played mm-hmm. his whole career with one guy, except except his first season, which you know. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what, you know, there's not any of us who could tell us anything about what happened about that 84-85 jazz season. But he <clears> played <throat> his whole career with with Carmelo. Carmelo was the man. Yep. We know, Chris yeah. Chris Paul's on his third team in three years. Every well, team he touches is a goal. So I think, I think actually the answer to that question for me, Adam, is yes. Um, and the reason for it is this. Chris Paul has had the worst playoff luck out of any of those guys, right? Like in terms of injuries and timing, this is Mm -hmm. his chance to show us what he can do with the right team when he's actually on the court, right? Mm -hmm. Agreed. And if he can show that he can do it, particularly doing it at this age, um, I, I I think it does. Yeah. Um, you know, as good as, as good as Stockton was, mm-hmm. he was never your get me a bucket guy, right? No, no, he no, needed, he wasn't. He, he needed someone for that. 
Um, and you know, obviously he, he had he had someone <laughs> for that, right? But the fact of the matter is that you know Stockton was a specialist. He got a lot of steals, but not because he was an awesome one-on-one defender, because he had good hands, good vision, and he gambled for steals. He wasn't someone who was going to shut you down. He was not a mm-hmm. lockdown defender, not the way Chris Paul has been in his career and still yep. can be in, in spots, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's, not, he's not throwing a 41-point game, although he probably should have shot more and would have shot more if he played in today's game. Stockton was a good three-point shooter. Stockton could shoot, yep. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't have much hesitation putting him up there. Um, and particularly if he shows us that when he's healthy and he's got a team that kind of fits and is relative and is well-balanced around him, um, that he can do it. I think winning the championship is relevant. It's not just like a rings culture thing. It's like, so show us. Show us what you can do when you've got a team that works around you, that you're leading, that almost everyone's healthy for. Show mm-hmm. us what you can do, right? And I think that um, it would make it will make a difference to his legacy if he wins this. Um, yeah. And um, you know, uh, I I've been just been so impressed by him this season. Just really, really impressed. Yeah. Okay. Before <laughs> I go to final predictions, I just got one more thing I want to raise, and this is this is a special question for Adam. Ah, yeah. Right. Now, this is something we've probably railed against because of when we've been brought up. We, you know, our, our, our formative years watching basketball were Michael Jordan years, and then Michael Jordan retired, and then we spent the next bunch of time hearing a lot of people talking about who's going to be the next Michael Jordan, right? And Kobe Bryant, yep, yeah. So I want to bring up Kobe and this thing. I'm not going to ask who's. I'm not going to ask a question about who the next Kobe is, but does Booker take the mantle as well? Is that what you got? That's ask the question. Me? Is is Devin Booker <laughs> the closest thing we've got to Kobe in the NBA right now? Or um. Certainly one of the closest, if not the closest. It's hard to think of him going through something actually and this is ridiculous because we're about to go to the finals, which is you know supposed to be mm. harder again. It would be it's hard to think he'll have to go through something physically tougher than what he just went through being guarded for six games by Pat Bev. Yeah. And Booker except for a tiny little bit of emotion. Uh, around the time when Bev pushed Paul in the back, remained incredibly cool right throughout that whole six-game series. You know, really didn't lose yeah. his temper or anything. It was when well, I think others would have and probably would have thought, yeah, he has <laughs> he has reason to lose his temper. I can see it. I can certainly see it. Um, some pretty high praise. He he's he's a scoring machine. Like he's phenomenal. Um, I don't know if he's quite, uh, I don't know. There's something quite not there as far as the, um, I don't know what it is. It's, um, he's he's actually, he's gone missing a couple of times and I just, I just don't think that's what I was going to say. So he's, I think he could get there, but I think he's missing the every single night thing. The killer instinct. No, he's got that. He's definitely got that. But mm-hmm. I think he's missing the every single night. He'll get he 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 can get there. He can get there. Yeah. But I think he's missing the every single night. What everyone's going to forget over the course of the journey after the Valley Oop was the fact that with thirty five seconds to go, Booker was like, "Give me the ball." He got to his spot and he hit the shot to put them one point ahead. 
Yeah, I remember was that. Very much, yeah. Um, has I mean, has anyone? This is this is this is me being mischievous. Mm-hmm. Has, has anyone in this mold, regardless of whether the mold's like this big or you know this big, has anyone ever won the championship in this mold without Phil Jackson coaching them? Because <laughs> we've seen eleven of those. Mm-hmm. But have we? Are, ever- you talk, are you talking about the? You know the the mold in which we're talking about Booker. the Jordan Kobe yeah, the mold. Jordan Kobe mold. No one had really won too many titles before Jordan in the Jordan mold. You know, you needed a big guy um, to win a title. Well, I mean, not that I can think of. But on the other hand, uh, he's also not clearly the best player on the team. Yeah, um, and neither was Kobe for the first three Laker championships. Well, Fair point. there is that, um, but it was a kind of a, dis- a disputed thing. Kobe didn't believe that. Yeah. Right? I'm sure Booker believes that he's the best player of the team, even though Aiden's the, been the uh, the story of the playoffs and Chris Paul's probably. But also, Booker also, I mean, whether or not, I think you're right, actually. I think Booker thinks he's the best player in the league and probably needs to to play the way he does, but... Mm. He also acknowledges, as they all do, that Chris Paul is the leader of that team. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. But that's an important thing, right? Because Monty Williams has accepted that Chris Paul's the coach. (laughs) 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 But no, no. But I think that's I think that's important, right? Because um, I I'm unconvinced the degree to which Kobe ever really thought of Shaq as the leader of that team, for example. Right, mm-hmm. um, like he might have initially thought, okay, Shaq's really good, or Shaq's, Shaq's more older. impactful, more more impactful than I am right now, or whatever. Right, but Kobe wanted to be the leader of that team, and that was one of the sources, one of the major source of tension between him and Shaq when they kind of started to fracture. Right, mm-hmm. um, I don't think Booker disputes the fact that Chris Paul is the leader of that team. And I think that's important. So I guess the answer is, no, it doesn't have Phil Jackson, but their Phil Jackson is Chris Paul. Okay. I thought it was interesting that when they did the you know the presentation of the trophy after game six, that the yeah. three guys who got to touch the trophy during the presentation were Robert Sava, wonderful, great, <laughs> Monty Williams and Chris Paul. The yeah. trophy did not. The Booker didn't go anywhere near the trophy until like after they were off the court. So, I I, I just thought that was interesting. I thought because you know, Booker is the best player on the team. Well, yeah, but I think I think here's the thing, right? It's not Phil Jackson that's needed. It's someone who commands the same sort of um, respect. Oh, as, okay. So, like. Um, you know, like what was the the real strength of Phil Jackson as a coach? Because if you think about the success he had, it wasn't as though any of those teams had any deficit of talent. What uh, where his um, where his genius lay was in getting these guys who all wanted to be, you know, on top, in charge, alphas, whatever. I mean, you know, you just need to glance at the media recently to see, you know, what 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 Scotty Pippen's got in him at the moment, right? <laughs> like he's um. He's just firing off scattershot at everyone he played with or mm-hmm. for. Um, Scotty Pippen is not a happy camper yeah. at the moment. 
Phil's Phil's genius was in getting these guys to get with the program and play together. Mm-hmm. Like the triangle offense, it's about sharing, right? The you thing that makes it hard to, to yep. yeah, you have to get them to buy in. And the reason it works is because you've got at least two really, really good wing players who can do something with that, right? And it's unpredictable because you don't know which one of them is going to be uh, the real attack and which one's going to be the feint, right? Like that's, it's a complicated uh, offense that relies on everyone kind of buying in, being willing to pass, being willing to be, oh, my turn, your turn, whatever, right? Mm. It's really important. Phil's genius was in getting everyone to be singing from the same hymn sheet. And something we've seen with, um, like, obviously the Suns turnaround the um, started before Chris Paul got there, right? The the eight straight wins in the bubble show you that. But what Chris Paul has been able to convince, in his case, his mas- like his his masterpiece is what he's managed to help DeAndre Ayton become. Last season, clearly he was a bit dissatisfied. He wasn't getting post touches, that sort of stuff. Now he is an ultimate team guy, right? Who openly and explicitly defers to Chris Paul in terms of direction. He credits him with his um, his revival, well, you know, his improvement, um, his his step up in the, the postseason. That's what you need. It's his personality and his brain that have really kind of, I think, helped this team take the next step. And Aiton is the number one beneficiary of that. Um, yeah. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Time to put our uh, necks on the line. Uh, before the playoffs... Um, none of us had the Suns in the NBA Finals. One of us had the Milwaukee Bucks in the yeah. NBA Finals. So Good congratulations, Adam. You had the Bucks coming out of the East. We both had the Sixers, I think. So um, we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, who in how many games and who wins the Finals MVP? And who wins the Finals MVP? Now, this is so dependent on this injury report, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> I I really think if Giannis comes up and he's healthy, the Bucks find a way. Um, but given the fact that he's day to day, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Suns. Suns in six, and I think um, yeah, we'll go with the fairy tale. It's Chris Paul for MVP. Dan? Uh, took the words right out of my mouth, actually. I um, I just think that if it, came, if it comes down to it and both Booker and Paul have great se- a great series, I just think the narrative is going to be with, um, with CP3. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, Giannis being questionable, I, I would anticipate he's going to at least miss some games but perhaps miss the whole the whole series. Um I I don't see it being a sweep even even then. Um I think uh probably CP3 although it might be Booker. He's going to have to deal with the guy that all of the NBA players think is the best small guard defender in the league in uh Holiday. Um who's actually been a pretty good been playing some pretty good offense in the last few ga- the last few kind of closeout games in the last series. 
Um, but I just I don't think the Bucks have got enough um, without uh, without Giannis. And yeah, I think it's got to be I, I think it's got to be Paul. The dark horse, of course, is going to be Aiton. Um, mm. if he's, you know, if he's able to do it, as, as you mentioned earlier, Andrew, but yeah, I just think that if it comes down to being fairly close, it's, it's going to be a Phoenix player because I think Phoenix is going to win. And if it's at all close no, no. between the Phoenix players, unless, you know, Paul gets hurt or is so exhausted, he doesn't have a very good series or whatever. I just think it's got to be Chris Paul. Let, let's let's there is of course one certainty in this NBA finals and that is the finals MVP will be from a t- from the team that wins the title we you know someone could score 50 points a game for the losers and not and they won't give them the MVP so this, this, this is true now given given all of the circumstances yep. can we say that the prediction turns to bucks in six Giannis for MVP if Giannis takes the court for all seven or all 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 finals games oh. I think I just think Giannis is it's similar to Chris Paul. He's hungry. The Bucks have never got there. It's always been on Giannis's shoulders. So if he can get healthy, I just think I just think he's gonna you're gonna see a new level to the Greek freak. But it's just sad that he's injured coming in. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm gonna give you my heart prediction, which is the Suns get the brooms <laughs> out and Aiden wins the MVP, averaging the aforementioned 18 points, 14 rebounds, two blocks, shooting 70% from the field. Um but you, you know, that that's what I want to happen. So um I look at it this way. I don't think Giannis is MVP Giannis if he gets back on the floor. He's nicknamed the Greek freak, remember. Yeah. Um He's, you know, he's got a problem with his knees. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I'm being optimistic. I, I, I'm, I'm worried. I'm concerned. Well, um, see, I also think that the nature of the injury is such that, like, the thing that makes, well, one of the important things that makes Giannis special, aside from his length and strength, is the fact that he's quicker than other people his size. Right? He's yeah. got that explosion, and I don't think he's going to have that even if he plays. Um, he'll still be strong. He'll still be hungry. He'll still be long. He'll still shoot terribly. Um, <laughs> right. He'll still grab some rebounds and play some defense, particularly when he gets a chance to roam. But yeah. I don't see him having the ability to dominate the way he does. If mm. he's you've got a creaky wheel. Yep. And the Phoenix Suns fans are absolutely going to do the, Countdown, count of the seconds as the fans did in Atlanta when Giannis is oh taking a free throw. God. As much as you know, I you know it's stupid. It's that's hilarious. Know, they're going to do it because he takes so long. So, um, yeah. tell what's the real prediction? Feels like it's going to be Suns and Six, and Chris Paul's going to win the MVP. I feel like with Paul and Booker in that backcourt, it's <laughs> almost a situation where Milwaukee have got to pick. You know, Drew's going to have to be on one of them, and. As in, at any one time, he's he, he so yeah, he can't close he'll sort of go back from game to game. But um, I'm just, it's just it's it's very exciting. I didn't didn't think it was going to happen at the start of the season, and here we are. And mm. for all those long suffering Phoenix fans, it would be very very good news indeed. We're at about the hour and a half mark, getting close to it. So let's call that a podcast finny. Wait, was that your prediction? Chris Paul MVP 
I'll just Suns go with where everyone else is going. You got my hard prediction, which is Suns. Yeah, we, we, we know. Except you, could, you, you, you said, you, you said uh, they'd bring out the brooms, though. So that's the difference. Yeah. So that's so my, Adam and I ended that's up my hard prediction, prediction, and the head prediction is just what everyone else is predicting, yeah. pretty much. It's just so, like predicated so, on that won't be a fit Giannis. So it's Suns in six, and Paul will win the MVP. Yeah. So, like, Adam and I had the same prediction, except I took 14 times as long to say it. And. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and you predicted a different series uh series margin but the same uh oh no no a different different finals mvp as well yeah so anyway yeah. let's hope uh, for my sake that doesn't <laughs> say how go, it doesn't get miraculously go, healthy <laughs> go, go very well i'm still alive at the end of the two weeks dan and adam thanks very much for joining me pleasure as always pleasure very, cheers And uh, everyone listening, we will catch you next time on It Should Go Without Saying.